in doing that. And that was what this prayer of faith, I, I read it to you this morning about what James said, that the prayer of faith shall save the sick and God shall raise him up. And then if he's committed any sin, it shall be forgiven him. And then we turned to Matthew and to Mark and then to Luke about the story of the paralytic man that was in a basically a, a bed, a cot. And I don't know, there's a lot that we read about the story. We just know that four men came, four men picked him up. I don't know if they were his brothers. I don't know if they were neighbors. I don't know what the whole background was. But they made it their mind not to just simply wait on the Lord, but to actively bring him into the presence of the Lord. Because that was going to be the key to this man getting something from God. And that's why when we say wait on the Lord, it means that while I'm waiting, I am actively pursuing a relationship that's deeper with Almighty God. Now you may say, well, you know, I don't know if I, you know, I'm just going to wait and let God work it out and I'll wait. Then it's not the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith pursues God. Pursues the presence of God. Pursues uh, being in the presence of Almighty God. And I mentioned this morning and talked about this slide where how they had invited the Lord to the house and they had filled the house and the teaching of the word and the spies had been sent to hear what was being said and these four men carried him and they took off the roof and Jesus forgave his sin and healed his body and, I, and there are so many more things that you could talk about from this story and one of them is you know there's sometimes when you don't need to try to save somebody yourself you need to get three other people to help pray for you. That's why there's the body. You know, when you're trying to fight this battle all alone and I'm going to try to deal with it and it's a situation, when you realize, you know what, I need three other people to help carry this stretcher and bring this person in the presence of God, you need to be willing to say, you know, because the Bible is very clear, when two or three are in, in, in agreement. And so there's that sense of when somebody tries to tell me, oh, you know, well, I'm going out here and I'm going to save this and I'm going to save that and I'm going to do that and I'm my own lone ranger and I don't want to be committed and I, I don't want anybody to depend on me and I don't want to have to depend on I want to be able to do it myself. You've missed the point of the prayer of faith. It is that sense of a corporateness that says we have a situation on our hand and going and praying for them. Now, the other thing is that they must have had a great love for this guy, that they would love him enough to be willing to be embarrassed and to do all of this and to carry him and to let him down. You have to remember at this time, Jesus was not even, it wasn't fully known that he was the Messiah. It wasn't God manifested. We just, he's doing some great miracles. He's this great guy from Capernaum and he's back home and maybe he can do something. And I don't know if they got into an argument over it all. You know, let's go. You know, let's bring this guy to Jesus. Maybe Jesus will do something. What's he going to do? I don't know, but he's healed before. And, you know, there was no talk at that time that he was 
was God. In fact, Jesus himself used the occasion of this man to prove that he had the power to forgive sins. That was the whole point of when he said, thy sins be forgiven thee, which brings up a whole nother dimension that you can realize that, you know what, the greatest miracle is that of the forgiving of sins, more than the healing of the body. We believe, you know, that if I can open the blinded eyes, or I can get the lame to walk, or if I can get, wow, that would be a fantastic miracle. The greatest miracle is when someone feels the presence and the anointing of God, and the Lord washes their soul and their mind and their heart, and they are free from the guilt and shame of sin. That's the greatest miracle. So when people say, where are the greatest miracles? Where are the miracles? Well, let me tell you, they're happening. You're seeing miracles all around you of individuals that have been set free from the chains of uh, bondage and from the guilt of sin and all of the above. And so... Jesus did heal his body, but they had to believe. They did, not have the, they did not have the full understanding that we had, but they had to believe Jesus could help them. Now we operate with a whole different understanding. We operate with the understanding that Jesus is the mighty God in Christ. Hello? That he's God manifest in the flesh. Amen? We understand that the God of the Old Testament robed himself in flesh and came and was crucified. And by his blood, we can go down in a watery grave in the name of the Lord Jesus and our sins be remitted. Amen? We understand the power of the Holy Ghost because we, many of us have experienced it. We have actually felt what it was to be taken from this world into the glory world. As Paul described in Ephesians and made to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus and for a moment getting lost in the spirit. If that hasn't happened to you, it can happen to you. We know what that is. And so it's not like we are in the same place that these guys were. We have an understanding of who Jesus is. That he is in fact God manifest in the flesh. Now you say, well why is that, you know, is that so important? Because we can get off track like the children of Israel did. Psalms the 78th chapter said, and they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. So in the midst of my trial, in the midst of my wilderness experience, I can sin how? By asking God for things that I want. And then saying, well, I don't know, can God really furnish a table in the wilderness? Even though the Lord has smote the rock, we felt the washing of the Holy Ghost. And we can say, oh, can he give us bread? Can he give us flesh? I need him to do this miracle and I need him to do this miracle. And yet the prayer of faith is that understanding that you know what? Because what I have felt God do, what I have seen God do, I know God is able to do anything. In fact, he is able to do exceedingly 
exceeding abundantly above all that I ask or think. So all I need to do is come in and still begin to worship and praise and magnify God. I don't feel like it. I don't see the miracle. No, but I know who God is. And I know how powerful God is. And I know what God can do. If I have to climb the roof and tear off the tile tonight, I'm going to do it to get in the presence of God. Why? Because once I get in the presence of God, something's going to happen. And the Bible says here, they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Why? Because you have to understand, God wants he wants to be glorified. He wants his own glory. He wants people to praise him. He wants people to worship him. He wants people to thank him. He wants people to say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He wants that. God also wants our good. And God will never pursue his glory at the expense of the good of his people. Nor does he ever seek our good at the expense of his glory. <laughs> what do I mean by that? In other words, if I am wanting something that's not going to ultimately bring glory to God. Sorry. You can keep praying about it. But it's not going to happen. It's that goes back to that Lord, not my. You say, well, are you saying God's not powerful enough to, oh, God's powerful enough. God knows every star that's in the heavens. It says here, he calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might. He is strong and power. What are you saying? I'm talking about a God that is sovereign. I, I, I know, you, you know, you may feel like, well, I don't know. I don't know if God's able. I'm telling you, God's not out of control. The Bible says, let all the earth fear the Lord and all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him for he spoke and it was done he commanded and it stood fast he brings the counsel of the heathen to naught and makes the devices of people of none effect the counsel of the Lord standeth forever the thoughts of his heart to all generations what do you say I'm saying God knows exactly where you are and what you're going through and he wants you to praise him and thank him and pray with faith. But you don't know what I'm going through right now. And if only I would have had this happen in my life. And if only you, you've got to put all of that out. It has nothing to do with all of that. If God thought you needed it, he would make sure you had it. You say, well, why? Because it's to bring him glory. God's in the heavens, but he's done whatever he pleases. We read this starting in James, the fifth chapter, and then we went back to the uh, second chapter about the prayer of faith and faith without works is dead but in the middle of that is James the fourth chapter where he says go now and say <coughs> to this day today or tomorrow we go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain whereas you know not what be on the morrow for what is your life it's but a vapor appears for a moment and vanishes away for that you ought to say if the Lord will we shall live and do this or that. What are you saying? That ought to be part of our, our prayer all the time. Lord, if it's your will. Lord, if it's your will. Now maybe we don't do that. 
and it's easy to forget that but a lot of times we find ourselves saying this is what I need Lord this is what I want Lord but I gotta keep remembering God is sovereign Lord if it's your will heal Lord if it's your will deliver Lord if it's your will what I'm going to keep by by faith I'm going to keep going I, I don't know whether I'm, but I'm going to act by faith I know God wants to save I don't know how he'll save but I know God wants to I know what he wants but I don't know how but I'm going to keep going by faith back saying Lord do it in Jesus name by faith I'm going to stand on by faith what do you say because I know that I don't care save or unsaved if I have to drag somebody spiritually kicking and screaming into the presence of the Lord what I know is that a man can devise his own way but the Lord directs his steps that's why we sang the song God will order my steps why because I get in his presence and I want my steps to be in line with the steps of the Lord there are many devices in a man's heart Nonetheless, the counsel of the Lord shall stand. In other words, you can walk out of here and say, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to have this, and I'm going to do this. And, I, and let me explain something to you. The Lord can bring you right around to the point where you go, I need God. I need his presence. I, I put here, there is no wisdom or counsel that can see against God. I, I put here some examples because there's some amazing examples in the Bible. And I know we're going to have communion. and I, I don't want to overwhelm you. But some of you, and this is just us and it's Sunday night. But some of you remember some of those powerful examples. Major examples in the Bible like the book of Esther. Esther. How many remember the book of Esther? It's one of the few books, there's two or three books where God's not mentioned at all. God is not mentioned in the book of Esther at all. But it's a story about behind the scenes with heathen kings. There was a king by the name of Xerxes. And you remember Esther's uncle, Mordecai. And you remember the story. And it's amazing that it's recorded in the Bible. And Xerxes ate too much broccoli. Whatever. Too many beans. Whatever. I don't know. But he tosses and turns one night. And he can't sleep. Now, I don't know what you guys do, but put on YouTube or Netflix or whatever. The radio. Play some music. This is a king that he could have called the musicians. Play the stringed instruments outside my window. Fan me. Turn on the fan. He had the power to do that. You know what Xerxes asks for? You can read it in Esther the 6th chapter. He said, go get me a book of the chronicles of what's happened in the kingdom. That's exciting. Maybe he thought he'd be so bored out of his mind that he would fall asleep. So read that to me. So they had chronicled everything that happens in the kingdom. And so the guy goes out and he grabs a book. I don't know if it was one of 10 books or 20 books or 100 books. And he starts reading. And guess what he comes across? That there was a plot to assassinate Xerxes and Mordecai had saved him. And Xerxes says, wow, that's interesting. Did we ever award Mordecai for his loyalty? And the guy said, no record, sorry. 
And the most trusted man in the kingdom is Haman. What he doesn't know is Haman has been plotting to kill Mordecai. So he goes to Haman and he says, Haman, I got this problem. I got a guy who needs to be awarded something. Huh? Wait on the Lord. Oh, there, got it in for me. I'm going to the, I'm going to face the gallows tomorrow. They've built the gallows. Mordecai was not, oh God, what's going on? Mordecai, three times a day, was getting in the presence of the Lord. Lord, if you want this to happen tomorrow, it's all right. I'm just coming into your presence like I normally do. I'm just getting into the presence of God. And that... Crazy, crazy story. And, and for those of you who may not be familiar with the story, I'll just quickly finish it. Basically, Haman goes, oh, I got a great deal. Why don't you put him on your horse, have somebody walk through the streets, go, hey, this is a great, great guy. He deserves honor. Because it's probably going to be me. <laughs> By the way, I would like to kill Mordecai on this gallows that I built, king. The king is like, you've got to be kidding me. It's Mordecai that needs... Why don't you walk him around in the horse? I'm telling you, that's how powerful God is. With a wicked king who had no knowledge of God, God can trouble him in their sleep. I, I can tell you stories. My dad can tell you stories of individuals that, you know, stood before a judge and a judge goes, well, I was praying last night and I don't know why, but I said, whoever came before me and asked for A, B, C. And you go, how did that happen? Because I'm serving a God who is sovereign, who is able. I'm going to get in his presence. I will get in his presence regardless of what's going on in my life. I know, a heart, man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his step. The counsel of the Lord's going to stand. There are many devices. And, and that's why, I, I'm sorry, but you can, you can fight me, and you can run from God, and you can say, I'm not going to have time for God, and I'm going to tell you the Lord's going to bring you around and around and around and around and around, and he's going to say, I want glory. I want glory. I want you to glorify me. I want you to worship me. I want you to glorify me. And so... You might as well get in the presence of the Lord because there is no wisdom or understanding or counsel that can, can, that can succeed against the Lord. <laughs> I put it here again, sorry, about Xerxes. Another one was Herod, and it's things that you don't understand. Herod, in the 12th chapter, you know, there were three guys, Peter, James, and John. All three of them were the inner circle of Jesus. Peter, James, and John. James and John were brothers, and they're on the inner circle. And Herod figures out a way to get John and James in prison, and he kills him. Then he captures Peter. I'm going to kill him too. But you know what? There was a church that started having a prayer meeting. <laughs> the prayer of faith. <laughs> Didn't really believe it was going to happen, but just got in the presence of God. <laughs> Read it in Acts the 12th chapter. And all of a sudden, you know, the jail is shaking and he goes through one set of doors and another set of doors and another set of doors and he walks out on the street, knocks on the door of the church. 
young lady by the name of Rhoda comes and says, Oh, Lord, I've seen a ghost. They killed him already. Huh? He didn't protect James. Why is he going to protect Simon? That's just how God is. He's sovereign. And, and they, Simon Peter standing there, kept knocking. Finally, somebody says, what's going on? He's a ghost out here. They finally opened the door. What are you telling me? I'm telling you that I don't care what kind of situation. You know, well, they've already killed James. There's no point in praying over this. I'm going to keep getting in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to bring my family. I don't care whether they, I don't see any hope. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care how many times they've prayed. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep waiting on the Lord. I'm going to keep asking. Who knows? The Lord may shake the James to the third inside and let him out oh Ecclesiastes uh, says consider the work of God for who can make straight which he hath made crooked for in the day of prosperity be joyful in the day of adversity consider God still in control no matter what you're going through if it's a good day, rejoice. If it's a bad day, say, you know what? God's in control. Last little example, and I'm through, and we're going to call everybody up. But just to show you how powerful God is, it's Ezra. Ezra records it in the first chapter. Another story of a king that made a proclamation, Cyrus. And the Bible says that it writes it like this, that Cyrus remembered the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah. Now how did that happen? He must have been having a bad night and asked for different books to be read. Jeremiah was not a prophet of Cyrus. I don't know where he got the book. I don't know how it came. But he heard Jeremiah say, Cyrus is going to start building the temple in Jerusalem. And he goes, wow, that's me. I know that's me. I'm going to start building it. And he started getting all the provisions together. I'm sorry. I, I need to change this slide. I didn't, didn't hit it there. Uh, there it is. And, and the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, evil king, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it in writing. Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven have given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem. And he made provisions. And they started going. Ezra, Nehemiah. But just like politics here, Cyrus didn't remain king forever. And there arose a new king by the name of Darius and he was not a good guy but do you know what happened read it in Ezra the 6th chapter Darius says he kept the feast of the unleavened bread seven days with joy for the Lord made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria that's talking about King Darius unto them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God the God of Israel and so it is with that thought in mind that the Jews believe 
that Trump has done the same thing when he brought, said we're going to bring the embassy to Jerusalem, that he's acknowledged it as a temple and a king, and they are looking for that temple. But they believe that an evil, wicked king, Cyrus and Darius, agreed. What are you saying? Whatever you're going through, I'm telling you, God can work behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, around the scenes. He is that God. If you will get in his presence, if you'll get in his presence and just say, Lord, we're waiting on you. Doesn't mean you do nothing. Sorry. It's not like waiting on your wife to go shoe shopping. It's not, oh God. Oh. But it's every day getting up. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. It's every day getting up. Lord, I need you today. I need you in my family today. I need your direction today. I need your spirit today to wash my heart and my mind. I need your presence, God. You say, what are you doing? I'm waiting on the Lord. Not, not passively sitting back. Why? Just, well, God, wonder, you know, if he wants to do it. No, it's I am pursuing God. Through the prayer of faith. If I have to take the roof off. If I have, whatever I can do to get in his presence. Because if I get in his presence, he's going to tell me what I need to do. Show me exactly how I do it. I, oh, I know I want this and I want that and I want this to happen. And I want to be able to retire before I'm 40. And I want to be able to. I want God. And if I'm going to make that my goal I'm going to tell you God will open every other door that I have that I'm going to say I need to be in his presence let's stand